All right. Well, this has been a good run. Um, I've really enjoyed my time here at Take Three, um, but this is my formal resignation. <laughs> so stupid. Hey there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. Hey, all you cool ghosts and goblins. Happy October. Welcome to our first October episode. I just want to say that every time that we record... And I, I mean, every time it's not just like every, like once every episode, it is three times every episode. One of our biggest challenges is coming up with like ways to start yeah. these takes. And it's sometimes it takes a good 15 minutes of us just sitting in silence, waiting for someone to come up with an idea good enough to, to, to start a take. And just now he says, Oh, I have an intro and everything. And we're given that. Yeah. I hope that you're proud of yourself. I am. Okay, I guess that's all that matters. This is the beginning of our spooky month, a month full of spooky content. I'm pumped for it. This is my favorite time of year, and we are starting off with a bang. I got to tell you, I know nothing about Candyman. I know nothing about this movie. Absolutely nothing. Well, I love it, and I haven't seen it in a long time. I truly believe he should stand among the most popular of slashers. I think I, before you said that, I assumed that he was like one of the great slashers. He is. I mean, he truly is. But like you said, you don't know anything about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I consider him one of the great slashers, but it's because I'm a slasher fan and I've seen all these movies. How many Candymans are there? Three. Which is much different than the like 20 that Halloween has. Yeah. I could be wrong. There might be four, but I know that the one that was supposed to be coming out this month was going to revitalize the franchise. And I was really looking forward to that because, again, I think uh, this is a character that needs to be known by more people, like what, what they did with Pennywise. No, I agree. I think like I'm most excited about finding out what his, I don't want to call it a superpower, but like each of the slashers kind of has their own thing. Oh, yeah, he definitely has a thing. And I, I, I could not tell you what it is. And I, I feel like possibly it was revealed. I know they released some kind of teaser or trailer for the remake that was supposed to come out. But uh, I remember really loving it and really finding myself like super excited about it. But I don't, I couldn't tell you what it was. So this will be an adventure for me. What year was this made? It came out in 1992, the same year I came out. This character isn't even as old as some of the characters that are way better known today. So I'm hoping that anybody who isn't as familiar with the Candyman, uh, that this episode will will help you because we're going to talk a lot about it. I was really hoping to have an opportunity to maybe come back to this very soon, either with something on our social media or like in a quick take and talk about the remake as it pertains to this movie. 
Um, but that movie is not coming out until 2021. So when it does come out, we will address it sometime next year. <laughs> I'm really excited for that movie, and it gives me really good memories about this one. I remember my sister and I were on a horror movie binge, and we just would go to the movie rental store right around the corner from our house, and we would go and just pick movies, and that was like one of the ones we had heard about. We knew that that was like a big deal. I remember watching it and being particularly afraid. Like, I'm not afraid of bees. This movie might make you a little little afraid of bees. (laughs) There's bees in this movie? Yeah. Bees? Yes. Bees? Yes. Everyone loves bees. Day two. You know, I don't think I remember that being quite so psychological, quite such a mindfuck. I wasn't expecting it to be so cerebral either. That was going to be my first comment as well. I, it was like a mindfuck. I don't, I'm confused. (laughs) I don't think I understand it. Well, let's talk about what you're confused about because I'm confused a little bit as well. So maybe we can help each other. (laughs) I guess the way I understand it is there's this, this monster, this Candyman guy who, I guess has always been chasing Helen and maybe kind of wanted her to take his place. You know, in that regard, I, I truly, I don't understand that part. If that's the logic, then it seems like this would be sort of a one-off. You know what I mean? Yeah. But clearly there seemed- are sequels. So I bet you they wind up sort of retconning that in future uh, sequels. It very much seemed like she was sort of the new, like she took over and she was the new monster. I did think it was clever. I don't know if it was intentional that he like intentionally said her name five times in the mirror, but like, Oh, I definitely think it was intentional from the filmmaker's perspective perspective. Yes, it was intentional, but I'm saying like, I don't think in that character's mind, he was like, Oh, maybe I'll bring her back by saying her name five times. Oh yeah. It just seemed like he was grieving. And I thought that was clever that was pretty convenient wasn't it (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh helen 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 yeah (laughs) um but it was good though i liked the fact that at the end uh you know anybody that comes to check out the screaming woman's gonna find stacy with the knife in her hand i think her name is stacy i'm gonna name her stacy if it's not stacy yeah i think it was really interesting kind of watching this sort of descent into madness that I think that aspect of it was really, really cool. Sort of just watching this woman lose one thing after another and yeah, getting down to the specifics of the horror aspects of it. I think it warrants a rewatch because I still am not clear a hundred percent on what I just watched. I think I enjoyed it. I like, I, th- I want to, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think it's certainly well-made, well-acted, uh, it's a movie that well scored. Oh yeah, beautifully scored. And in fact, uh, one thing I wanted to say is that the music in this, like the very overwhelmingly uh, often used theme of this film, is sort of repurposed, reworked into the trailer that they play. Um, it's there's so there's the new Candyman trailer, but then there's also like a trailer that is essentially like paper puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll link it in the description for the new one. And when I heard it this time watching this movie, I was like, that sounds familiar. And it's like that, no, 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 Like it's yeah, reworked yeah. in that trailer. So they, yeah. you know, it's sort of a callback to the original, which I thought was pretty cool. 
I really liked the fact that this movie commented on how neighborhoods that are in more urban areas get well, okay, let's let's just say it. Two black people were murdered and the cops never came and then a white woman got punched and they went and arrested the guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. In a day. So I don't think it's perfect. I still do kind of see it as like a white savior movie in some respects. And maybe I just don't know the definition of a white savior movie, but it seemed very much like the end goal was to save this baby. Like this woman's baby went missing and this white woman's got to go and like save the day and return the peace to this black neighborhood kind of thing. I could see it from that respect that like she does sort of wind up a, a martyr and with her visage on the wall at the end mm-hmm. and all of that. But yeah, I could see that at first I was like, she doesn't really s- save too many people. She gets a lot of people killed. <laughs> um, she's not a very good white savior if she is technically one. There were a lot of times during this movie where I was like, oh, she's, you know, there's this white woman who's like, oh, no, I'm just studying. Like, don't mind me, that kind of thing. And then she ends up like killing people. It, it was something that I debated in the movie. It was kind of like on and off. But at the end, I feel like, oh, yeah, she just she saved the baby by risking her own life. So or at giving her own life, really. So, yeah, um, I don't know. Like I it was 1992. So there's got to be a ton of stuff out there. Yeah, I would love um, to know what other people think about this and how this movie has aged when it comes to public opinion, because mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I know, I mean, I, I was impressed by a lot of the commentary, but you're right. I mean, there are certainly things that are not perfect as a movie that's, you know, 28, almost 30 years old would be yeah, or would have or whatever. Mm-hmm. However, I said it, a movie that's 28 years old might not be as timely appropriate as uh, <laughs> we would want it to be. But I still think that, you know, having a movie that centers largely around a black cast, even though the, the main character is a white woman, there are, you know, a lot of African-Americans in the movie. It's got a African-American, like, iconic horror legend in it, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. and Tony Todd, who I also, I don't think I said it in this episode, I actually got to meet. Uh, there was a horror convention in Virginia Beach one year and I went to it and got to meet him and got to talk to him for a few minutes. And it was, it was really nice. Um, Did he sign anything? Mm-hmm. We, we got a picture together and then he, yes, he signed a picture of Candyman. Yeah. That's awesome. You and still have it. I hope, right? I do. Yes. I'm just a, a huge fan of his. I think he's so creepy and, <laughs> but he's like a really cool guy. Like he's just he was, very cool. Yeah. He was really, really cool in this. Speaking of, him i think specifically what was one of the most unsettling things about this movie was that deep voice and it reminded me almost of mothman oh yeah and how you kind of hate that mothman voice Mm. and i think anytime i've seen i think i've only seen mothman once and it was with you and i think just knowing that because you had brought it up you're like this voice is the scariest thing i've ever heard and that kind of thing so i didn't really i wasn't paying attention to it i was more sort of reacting to your reaction to it um, but I'd be interested to see like which one is scarier at some point. But this it was it really was unsettling in like a really weird but attractive way. It was sort of like alluring in a way, but it was really really creepy and really well done. It's got that like reverb on it that like is mm-hmm. unnatural the way he yep. speaks. But um, Mothman sounds like there's like several voices layered on each other. It sounds almost inhuman 
Whereas mm. Candyman, I think, is like just this ethereal kind of. It sounds like it's in your ear. Yeah. But you're right. They are both horrifying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really do wish that we were following this up with getting excited about going to see the new movie. <laughs> I still am actually when I mean totally but when this you know. movie finished I went and looked up the trailer again and forgot that they used say my name in the trailer and oh, yeah. oh my god that movie just looks so fucking good and yeah. I hate that we have to wait a year for it now yeah well I don't think it'll be like a whole year but you don't think they'll release it Halloween of next year so it doesn't seem to have a release date but it's just says that it's 2021 I'd imagine that it might be because they don't know yet i know 2021 october is muddy because halloween kills is coming out Mm -hmm. Um, the remake was supposed to come out in june of this year then it got moved to october and then it got moved next to next year so gotcha gotcha i'm really just excited to see this new take on it i know nia DaCosta, the director of the remake got tapped to do captain marvel 2 hmm. i mean somebody must have saw it and, and liked what they saw you know so <laughs> yeah i mean how can anyone watch that trailer and not be over the moon excited for that that just it looks so fucking cool i will say i i was surprised quite a bit during this movie i think going into a movie knowing it is a slasher movie my expectations are already a little bit tempered just because i'm not you know that's not a movie that i'd reach for first and it gave me a lot that i wasn't expecting it was very cerebral it was sort of surreal at parts uh and i wasn't really expecting that kind of vibe from this and i will say i was you were expecting like uh michael or jason i yeah. <sighs> To be honest, I don't know what I was expecting, but all like all I knew about this was it was a slasher. Yeah. And with the slasher movies that I've seen, there's really not a lot to think about. It's just these crazy people who are murdering other people. And I know I don't want to boil down the slasher genre to something that simple, but it's Good. <laughs> it's sort of like I mean, I know like with Scream, there's the mystery of like who is it? And I know there's the suspense of um of you know rooting for Laurie Strode and that kind of thing and there was a lot more to this movie than just that like who's gonna Um, die next it was yeah yeah totally and I feel like honestly that is like the biggest strength of like Freddy and Candyman these first movies are very much about someone who is struggling mentally to process what is going on because nobody believes them because these Mm -hmm. killers exist in their mind you know what I mean Like, don't take my opinion too seriously, just because I I feel like the only slashers that I've seen are the Scream franchise, the Halloween, some of the Halloween movies. Uh, But I've not seen Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Oh, no, I did see Nightmare on Elm Street, didn't I? Yeah. You 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 watched that with me. Um, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. I know (laughs) there's just a lot of movies to uh, get to. My portfolio is not very big when it comes to slasher movies, but uh, it does. It seems very much like it's about the chase typically. And, you know, you're always rooting for uh, the victim kind of thing or maybe not. But yeah, this one, this one definitely felt like there was a lot. I don't want to say a lot more to it, but it was just like sort of different elements that were at play. And I admire that. Yeah. So we have a movie that delivers on the scares. 
We have a movie that is very intellectual. We have a movie that has a message and comments on society. And we have a movie that is truly iconic in its villain. So I'm thinking this movie like wins all around, honestly. I yeah. mean, aside from the fact that not really sure how the ending um, <laughs> yeah. all sort of adds up. Before I can definitively agree with you, I think I'd have to watch it one more time. Yeah, yeah, we'll watch it one but, more time because uh, we got to take three to do. I'm on it. You can count on me. Take three. I have a hot take for you. I want to know your opinion on this. Halloween Town is better than Hocus Pocus. Ooh, that's going to ruffle some feathers. I love them both. And when I say Halloween Town, I think we can all assume that the first and second movie can be assumed one movie. The third and following movies, we can just ignore that they exist. I think I like Hocus Pocus better. Like, I love both of those movies, but I think Hocus Pocus is just going to stand the test of time better. It's not really a, a fair hot take. I never grew up with Hocus Pocus. The first time I'd seen Hocus Pocus was in college, which was maybe like five or six years ago. Uh, and I've seen it maybe once or twice since. I did, however, grow up with Halloween Town, and I love both of those movies immensely. So I think those just have a higher place in my heart. Yeah, I think it probably does just depend on like what you grew up with. I grew up with both, though. I just I'm I'm sort of analyzing the movies really quickly in my head, and I just think Hocus Pocus is the one that's standing out a little bit more. <sighs> All right. Well, this has been a good run. Um, I've really enjoyed my time here at Take Three, um, but this is my formal resignation. <laughs> so stupid. No, if you like Hocus Pocus better, that's okay, I guess. I'll still accept you. I know a lot of people that probably have never seen Halloween Town because it's not like a theatrically released <gasps> movie. What? It's a decom. That makes me so sad, though. Yeah. It's like, it's so good. And I follow... Um, it's like she's got three names like Millie Bobby Brown, but it's it's like um, Kimberly J. Brown. Yeah, her. I follow <laughs> her on TikTok. It's just a, an initial, but I, I understand. We we send each other TikToks like constantly and yeah. we'll only watch them when we're together. So when we're <laughs> together, there's like 300 TikToks for us to watch and sit there and giggle like schoolgirls for four <laughs> hours. But uh, this most recent time, you had a bunch of Kimberly J. Brown She's fabulous. Yeah. Is she dating the guy that played Cal's son, like the young Cal in the second movie? Because she he's in a lot of her her TikToks. I didn't even recognize him, and I have no idea. Hmm. I will look into that later. Yeah, like is anyone still listening? I don't know. We might have <laughs> everybody was like, wait, what happened? I thought this episode was about Candyman. It's spooky season. I can't like, it's just, it's all around me now and I'm not mad about a single ounce of it. And I just wanted to put that opinion out there. So I think I'm going to go first with what I found. That's cool. So this is why I love this podcast is because after watching it a second time and doing research on it, it's, it, I truly do love it so much more because I know take two, I was maybe a little bit on the fence. I think I was confused about some things, but I've really, really grown to appreciate this movie, and you should too. <laughs> so I don't know if this means much to anyone else, but I really didn't get this movie upon watching it the first time, and I think a lot of my research was, again, re-watching it and kind of really figuring out what exactly was happening. So I'm just going to talk about that 
I uh, totally understand. And like, I do probably imagine that there are people that also didn't get it, but like now listening to people talk about it and then watching it over again, don't you feel kind of stupid for not getting it? It just seems a lot more obvious the second time around to me, even though I've seen it. Like I've probably seen this movie three or four times before we watched (laughs) it just now. So, and I still was like, what the hell? Well, maybe this will help that. Maybe this will help someone who maybe felt the same way that I did watching it the second time or the first time, I guess, and didn't understand it. Let me bring it to light for you. Jordan's going to take us to school, guys. Uh, So the way I understand this movie now, I realize that Candyman is the physical manifestation of his own legend. Like he only survives by remaining a legend and the fear that he instills. I think so like he, he will cease to exist if he isn't feared or if he is proven to be fiction, which is what Helen set out to do. Basically. I totally agree. And I don't know if it's still in take two, we may have cut it, but there's a point in time where I compared him to Freddie. And that's another thing that him and Freddie sort of have in common. They are these ethereal psychological problems at their core for these victims in general. They are, physical threat second because the worst thing that can happen is something going terribly wrong and no one believing you about the thing that's going wrong through my research i saw a lot of talk about how Candyman is very much like freddy he's very much like hellraiser he's very much like i saw this movie even compared to like phantom of the opera where he's he's a killer but he is sort of this like sensual kind of he's um, sexy as hell yeah exactly and he's sort of this like poetic sensual killer yeah i saw the comparison that it was like a phantom of the opera meets like silence of the lambs which i love i think it's a great comparison mm. what i also didn't realize was this when she got attacked in the bathroom by the guy who like claimed to be the Candyman. I still understood that the Candyman existed. I didn't really, maybe it was because we were only halfway through the movie. Maybe it was because the film didn't really like explain it much, or maybe I'm just stupid. I don't know. But I realized that after maybe it's all of those things. Possibly. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't realize that that guy was like that. He ended up embodying the legend quote unquote, like he that's he, Helen put it all to rest because she was like, no, it's it's just this guy. Like he's he's put away now. Everything is fine. And suddenly after that, she's smiling and she's like skipping in her apartment and making dinner. And she's so happy. And when Bernadette was with her telling her, yeah, we're going to be published now. She's just ecstatic and so over the moon. And that was all to discredit the legend. And that's sort of in the garage, that's when the Candyman shows up and he's like, actually, now I'm here. Yeah. And he says, like, people aren't believing in me. It was almost like he didn't really have to do too much because that guy was using the Candyman moniker. And then here comes Helen trying to knock that all down. And Candyman's like, nope, not going to let you do that. And I think this really is sort of like him passing a torch at this point. You see Helen kind of transforming into this entity as the movie progresses. And we see it when she escapes the hospital and finds her husband's mistress. I forget the student's Stacey. name. Stacy. Um, Stacy, yeah. And I think re-watching this movie, seeing this scene in particular was huge. This scene is so immensely important. She sees Stacy, and Stacy immediately starts whimpering. Like she is 
terrified. It's not like, oh, oh, this is a big misunderstanding. Uh, this isn't what you think kind of thing. She is terrified. She can't do anything but like fall to her knees and start whimpering and calling out for Trevor. So Trevor comes out and he's like, I think we should call the hospital. And Helen says, what's the matter? Scared of something? Which she repeats when she kills Trevor at the end, which I think is really, really cool. And so when she's like, okay, let's call. And she tries to hand the phone to Stacy, you can kind of see this moment of confusion on Helen's face where she kind of seems like she doesn't really know where this behavior is coming from. She suddenly has this like surge of confidence where she's like, what are you, were you afraid of me? And all right, let's call the hospital. Let's see, let's see what's going to happen next. And uh, it's, it's so cool to see that in her face where she's just like, okay, what is happening? Something's weird right now, which is really, really cool. Uh, she claims that Trevor was all she had left. And then she realizes that she really doesn't have anything else to lose at this point. I think her best friend, Bernadette, she had died. Uh, Trevor is gone. And I think she's, she's like standing over that bridge or something. She's outside and she's having this moment of like, I have nothing else. And you even hear Candyman say, all you have left is my desire for you. And this is when she, she kind of accepts her role. I think like she stops sort of feeling like the character that we're riding through this with it's sort of, she just becomes something we're watching versus someone we're going through it with. And that feels like a very distinct change after she gets out of the hospital. This is me sort of transitioning into what I'm still confused about, which is, when he says things like, it has always been you, Helen. Okay. Um, Can I help? There was one line. I don't know if this is what you're about to say, but there was one. It was like the briefest little, if you blinked, you missed it part in a video that I was watching where I heard the researcher or whatever you want to call it, say that she had a resemblance to the Candyman's lover. Yes. That eventually got him killed. Is that where you're going? Totally. It feels like that should have been very obvious to me in the beginning. This is sort of why I feel stupid because I feel like um, when they're at dinner with a guy who has also written about Candyman and he delivers all of that exposition. Exposition. See the weird guy with the the long hair. Yeah, like get a haircut, yeah. bro. <laughs> he's talking and he's telling the story about how he loved this woman and she got pregnant. When she got pregnant, this like mob of people went and killed him. And put bees in mm-hmm. him and all that, or you know, got him. He was stung by a bunch of bees and all that shit. Of course, she reminds him of the woman he loved so long ago. Like that makes total sense. And some people say she might even have been a descendant of this lady, or like some sort of reincarnation of this lady in some form. So even when they're together with the baby, that's sort of like representative of the family that was taken away from him because she was pregnant. Oh my god. Yeah, and so, of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. he steals the baby to lure this, like, woman who is re- really is trying to save the day. So I understand um, the white savior accusations, which I've definitely heard from other people other than you now. I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it, it feels so much more symbolic now. And it, I yeah. love the fact that you have to, like, take a second to dissect what it's telling you versus mm-hmm. everything just sort of being plainly laid out. Like, like honestly, most slasher movies are, you know, there's there's movies you don't have to dissect. I am so glad that you said that and not me (laughs) because I completely agree. And not to say that other slasher movies are bad by any means, but um, it's just it's kind of refreshing to see a different take on this kind of 
slasher horror thriller movie, whatever you want to call it. So to me, it feels like the perfect movie for Jordan Peele to want to produce a a sequel. They're calling it a spiritual sequel. I know I've called it a remake in this episode before, but like I, I don't I don't really know what it's about. I've tried to stay away from a lot of like the the intel about it, I guess, just because I want to be surprised. Wait, really? What do you mean? <sighs> I have I came across a video that kind of explained I guess I just need to know how much about this movie you already know. We're talking about the new one. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about this like towards the end of the episode, but I have a lot of stuff that really surprised me that the new Candyman that's coming out is about that I didn't, I don't know if you knew or not, but now I'm not sure if you even want to know. We can exercise caution. Okay, okay, that's fine. Okay, so do you want me to say some stuff? I suppose I'll allow it. Go ahead. Okay, so you know how I always talk about uh, budgets and grosses and stuff like that huh normally it's earlier on in take three sorry about that but no it's okay it doesn't matter um i know this is what you guys were all waiting for (laughs) but i I do think it's interesting um this was made on a nine million dollar budget and made 25 million dollars 25.7 million dollars worldwide for a horror movie you know maybe that's okay in 1992 that's not terrible i mean they certainly made more than their budget so that's that's okay. And for some reason, this movie did not get an international release. Really? I couldn't find any numbers for anything outside of America. So this is like a domestic total and a worldwide total because there was no foreign release. Well, do you know why that would happen? It could have been for a, a bunch of different reasons, to be honest with you. I couldn't find any specific comment on why it did not get one, though. Interestingly, though, this movie actually came out on October 16th, 1992. And something I noticed that I thought was actually pretty cool was that if this new Candyman had kept its second release date, the one it recently moved off of, it would have come out exactly 28 years after the first one. They both would have been released on October 16th. Oh, what a shame. But, you know, of course, COVID. Oh, that sucks. They tried. (laughs) They, They did. I mean, I thought that was really interesting. I'm surprised that they didn't make a bigger deal out of that, but I think... Honestly, I think the majority of the films that moved to the fall had to know that there was a chance that they weren't going to be able to um, make it. Just like a complete side note, um, Antebellum released on PVOD and is incredible. And um, you guys should watch that. Sorry, I know this is completely off topic, but I I was sort of hoping that the new Candyman might do the same thing. That I think that they're anticipating a little bit higher of a return if they could put it in theaters. Uh, yeah, this is also a, a PSA for Antebellum. That is <laughs> such an incredible movie. Antebellum is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, back to my notes. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I said that Clive Barker created Candyman as well. Um, this was based on a story by Clive Barker called The Forbidden. Mm-hmm. It actually doesn't even take place in Chicago. It takes place, uh, I think, at Liverpool, someplace in the <laughs> UK. I think Liverpool is a word. Yeah. That yeah. sounds familiar. <laughs> Oh, another thing that like my notes are so sporadic. Forgive me. Uh, you remember how we talked about bees? Yes. Well, apparently Tony Todd got stung twenty three times throughout the course of this trilogy. Oh no! Okay, that's but, dangerous. Yeah, but check this out. I love this. This was such a boss move. He negotiated an extra thousand dollars for every time he might get stung. <laughs> And I was thinking, bitch, I would let a bee sting me for $1,000 too. Shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Also, the bees that were used were bred on set so they could be babies. And I'm spelling babies B-A-B-E-E-S. So they're babies. Yes, yes. (laughs) They were babies when they were used. And apparently, babies are less likely to sting and don't have, like, fully developed stingers. Mm -hmm. And it's good because Virginia Madsen's allergic to bees. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. They both had bees in their mouths. Did they not? I think she had bees like all over her face. Like he was like, they were. And she's allergic? Yeah. But again, they were like, they were babies. Yeah. So but, they didn't have, they didn't have like fully developed stingers. 23 times. How did she avoid that? He said most of them were like on his chest because the chest plate was, I guess, upsetting to the, um. The bees? Yeah. <laughs> the bees. <laughs> they didn't like how fake it looked. Yeah. <laughs> Something else I think we take for granted today is aerial shots. Oh, yeah. Okay. Since we've seen them all our lives. However, this movie's aerial shots, particularly at the opening, were apparently like groundbreaking. They were utilizing a sky cam, this like new technology that could shoot footage leaps and bounds more smoothly than anyone had been able to before. I mean, nowadays that technology isn't just available, it's cheap. You know what I mean? Like you can shoot that kind of stuff with drones from Best Buy now. Mm -hmm. But back then, I mean, you know, 28 years ago, they were really proud of that shit. Those aerial shots mixed with like the shot of Chicago being flooded with bees to me feels like he's like a presence looming over the city. Mm Kind of switching gears here. I mentioned that this film is almost 30 years old back when we were talking about how socially aware it was in Take Two. However, I actually have an article that I found that literally came out in 1992 from the Chicago Tribune that brings up issues similar to those that would typically get noticed today. And I'll share some of them. They talked about how Candyman uh, fed into a lot of unhealthy stereotypes and sort of racist like myths. The fact that the black community here, represented by Chicago's Cabrini Green apartment complex, is particularly susceptible to superstition and urban myth. It's insulting them that they're believing in this kind of stuff, that uh, like all the white people are like, oh, this is just a myth. And the black people believe it. You know yeah, what I mean? This this woman comes in and is like, let me, let me, uh, let me define Educate this for you. you. Yeah. yeah. And I, like, I didn't realize this going into the movie. I only found this out later on. But for those who don't know, Cabrini Green is a real place. Yeah. You know, the projects are a ready-made house of horrors, guarded by gang members and overrun by crack addicts. In fact, TriStar's press kit for this movie describes Cabrini Green as a hopeless community, a ghetto filled with poverty, despair, and violence. And again, this is a real fucking place. So like, yeah. And so it, it is harmful, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a really shameful marketing tactic. Another one was that the black man's anger towards the white establishment is usually vented on his own race. Though tortured and killed by a white mob in 1819, Candyman preys mostly on black women and children. So just like the idea of like black on black violence. These these points that they've made are like I can't disagree with them to be honest with you. Another one is that black men like Candyman are obsessed with white women. That's like another you know harmful stereotype. Uh, and Madsen even responded to that. And she said, you know, the people who are most worried about this movie being racist are white. And she found that amusing. She says, to me, this is a love story with a black phantom. The phantom is never allowed to be a black guy. 
I mean, like, I can understand her point on that as well. Like, she was there in the movie experiencing it all. So, honestly, it's hard to know exactly how to feel about this. And it's also, like, why the hell does our opinion on this that's, even matter? Yeah. Like, we're two white guys. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing to take away. Like, my immediate reaction to her her response to that is, like, well, you're a white woman. Like, it's, it's really tough to... yeah. Know. Ultimately, I think that while this movie definitely included a lot of problematic elements in it, it does seem like in the grand scheme of things, with the introduction of the most famous black horror movie character of all time, Mm -hmm. it was more of a step forward than a step backward. I do believe that with the inclusion of black talent behind the camera and a black male lead, this new Candyman stands a much better chance of standing the test of time. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree there. And I think that I hate using this excuse, but I do think that the 1992 version of the Candyman was certainly um, a product of its time. I think maybe it was trying to say things that were, you know, metaphoric of the black experience. Um, There were some things that I saw in my research that it was like to sort of defend Helen's role. It was like, well, uh, this is a movie about Helen getting sort of this taste for what it's like to be, an assumed criminal when you're innocent and which, you know, it's, Oh wow. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's a, and that's, you know, obviously relatable very much today. Um, so I do think it's not flawless, but I, I think it was an attempt to go in the right direction, but I think this new movie is going to be, like you said, just out of this world, especially with the cast and the director. And I'm really hoping that it is really good and is received very well. Yeah. Um, and just sort of feels like uh, a movie that was able to, you know, okay. Cause like, again, this movie was a good attempt, but I think, I think now just the idea is that we can do better. You know what I yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. And this new one seems to be the movie that they're doing better with. So that makes me happy. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I know Jordan Peele has a hand in this. He's not directing it. He's the producer, yeah. So Nia DaCosta, who uh, is doing the new Captain Marvel 2, is doing this, and it just looks incredible. Highbrow, socially aware horror. And I think that genre is something that, like, we need so many more of these movies, like, right now. I just am obsessed with them. But, like, look at... I I love how successful they are. Look at us. Look at Get Out. And I know those are both Jordan Peele things, but, like, obviously there's a market, there's a demand for that, and it is... I'm loving how successful it is, and I, I, I really can't wait for more. And what's exciting about this is that, like, Jordan Peele is producing and he's not directing, so that means that if this movie gets pulled off and it is actually good, that he doesn't just have a winning streak of the movies that he's made. He is now starting like an empire of filmmakers that can do this again, like very, very highbrow, Oscar worthy, socially aware horror films. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just want to (laughs) watch so many more. Like just give it all to me right fucking now. I'm with you. I can't assess the damage that it's done. And even if I tried again, white guy, totally acknowledging my privilege that like my commentary on this doesn't really matter. I just really, when we were talking about this, when we decided to do this movie, I thought it was really important not only to talk about this this character in this movie because I really do have like a special place in my heart for Candyman. I love this movie. This new one really is going to be special in my opinion. I could not agree more. Okay, I'm going to talk about this very small thing. 
that was sort of like the last thing on my notes. Uh, this is something that I want to look into more upon watching it a third time, which is what I definitely plan on doing, hopefully before this month is over. I found it interesting that I think sex is a very repetitive theme in this movie. I think we have the obvious Candyman's child out of wedlock. We have the cheating husband. We have the fact that his murders are gutting someone from your groin to your gullet. We have the genital mutilation that happened in the bathroom. And then when we see him with Helen at the end, he's sort of very sensually sticking his hook up her skirt. And it's just, it seems to be this big surrounding aura, I guess, that's in the movie. There's just like slight glimpses of it, but it seem, it does seem like a very sexual kind of killer that is like a really good point. I don't think I had noticed that. I don't want to call it like an obsession, but you know, he's driven toward her. If my understanding is correct, um, he sees her as the woman that he loved years and years and years and years ago. So there is this sexual desire. So this movie does feel very sexual and sensual and very like relationship driven. That makes sense. I think that it sort of first came up when I don't I don't remember which character said it, but they said the line from your groin to your gullet. Like it was a very specific yeah. way that he kills. And I think after that was first said in the movie, it was kind of like always in the back of my mind, like how specific that was. And um, like moving forward, I was like there was and especially watching it the second time, there was just a lot of like references to sex and um, like genital mention and that kind of thing. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. It is. I totally, I get that for sure. Okay. So before you go to spoiler town, I just wanted to point out a couple of things that I thought were really interesting, uh, cast wise. The first thing is Casey Lemons, who plays Bernadette in this movie also plays Ardelia in silence of the lambs. Oh, no shit. So she's oh my like, God. Yeah, she yeah. does. And I was like, I knew she looked freaking familiar. That's awesome. Oh, wow. But uh, I don't even know if you know who Casey Lemons is, but she's a director. She directed the Harriet movie where Cynthia Revo got nominated for the Oscar. Oh, cool. Okay, and then this is like kind of stupid, but um, I saw an interview where the producer was like, if Virginia Madsen was unavailable, the role probably would have gone to the then unknown Sandra Bullock. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine? I will say I think Virginia Madsen killed it, and I – I can't really see anyone else doing it. I think it would be a very, very different movie if it was Sandra Bullock. I can't even, I cannot even like imagine. <laughs> hey guys, Nick interjecting here. What Jordan's about to tell me is actually a pretty big deal. If you don't want to know anything about the new Candyman going into it, I would advise you to stop here. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Uh, and we'll see you next week. But... If you're really intrigued or you just don't care, uh, I don't think it's going to ruin the whole movie for you to continue listening. Okay, so let's get back to it. I will say after finding this out, I was like, I was already gung-ho about the movie, but this made me like 10 times more excited for it. Before I say it though, is there anything else that you can tell me that you know about this movie? Specifically maybe about the characters of this movie. No, I just, I honestly... I could probably stand to give the trailer another watch. I know I watched it a ton before it was supposed to come out in June. Probably only watched it once since then. And and honestly, I'm just looking at Yahya Abdul-Mateen II constantly and not really paying attention to anything else. I just looked at the IMDb. It is out there and it is general knowledge. 
and I'm going to be so pissed if you already knew this and you didn't mention this, but the lead in this, the main character is Anthony. It's baby Anthony. Did you know that? What do you mean? The baby that she saved at the end. You are shitting me. I'm not. Did you not oh know that? Oh my God, no. Does that make you more excited about it? I'm just worried that that's a spoiler. It's on the IMDb. It is the character's names. It's general knowledge. Like, they would hide that if that's the spoiler of the movie, right? I hope so. I heard that in a video. I thought that was really, really cool. That is is unbelievable if it is uh, true. That is really fucking cool. Right? And do you remember in the trailer, there's that woman who kind of, someone's saying Candyman, and she kind of does that clap, and she's like, no, no, don't say that. And she, like, wags her finger. Uh Uh-huh. That's his mom, played by the same exact actress that played in the 1992. And she has not aged a day. Oh my God, I need to watch the trailer. Right? I can link the video that I found this out in. Like, we we always put our links. I have a couple videos that go over, um, like, the history of Cabrini Green, where it is now, which is actually really, really interesting. Um, so you can check these out yourself. But... I heard that and I was like, that is, and the way that the video brought it up, it's like, oh yeah. And you know, this is Anthony so-and-so and and whatever. So it didn't really seem to me like it was a big deal. I thought it was something that I misunderstood, but it made me so, so, so much more excited to watch this movie. That's, that's crazy. I like the idea of franchises acknowledging that when you do 18 sequels to a movie, I know even though Candyman only had two more sequels. They can kind of go off the rails. Like Candyman <laughs> 2 and 3 are like vastly inferior to this film. So I like it now. Uh, same with like the new Halloween. Like they're just trying to focus on being a successor to the first one, the first one that is beloved, and then making telling a story based off that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that now that I know that, Candyman is probably doing what Halloween tried to do and i cannot fucking wait for that agreed i just need to go watch the trailer this is a great episode guys uh <laughs> i really i just want to go watch the trailer okay so jordan's making me do an outro before i go watch the trailer so here we go hey everyone it's nick i just want to thank every one of you for listening to episode 35 of take three a movie podcast if you want to hear more please visit take three amp.com and follow us on all our social media at take three amp that's the number three and all the rest are letters till next time happy october everyone <laughs>